You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times, and stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in, but you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. John, let's move on to defense. Let's start with the defensive line. What I mean by defensive line, guys, I'm not talking about edge defenders. We're talking about big body defensive line that are going to play, you know, one of the three spots in a 34 front, okay? Meaning typically they're 285 plus most of the time over 300 pounders. On the roster right now, we've got coming back four defensive linemen. And, J.J., if I'm off on my information, you just cut me off and correct it. Um, defensive line, you've got Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, um, T.J. Slayton, and Jonathan Ford. Okay, According to PFF, Kenny Clark, 64.3. He's the ninth highest-graded player on defense for the Packers. Um, Devontae Wyatt, 69.3. Think about that. Think about And I know it's a, a much smaller sample size as far as snaps, J.J., but Devontae Wyatt, has scored five points higher, according to PFF. He's performed five points higher than Kenny Clark this year. That's pretty wild. Um, I want to see him get more snaps, man, definitely. Uh, T.J. Slayton, T.J. Slayton, a 52.0. He's 23rd at the bottom of the heap. Um, man, he just has not panned out so far. And then Jonathan Ford, there's no grade to the best of my knowledge. Now, I think there's got to be a minimum of five at that position, right, as far as big-body defensive line that can play the two interior spots, from the you know the the four technique in in your nickel defense as well as any of those three spots in the thirty four front. Now don't get me wrong, I know you know Devontae Wyatt's typically a three technique and not a nose. However, in a pinch, you want people to be able to play those different spots. But as far as defensive line, Kenny Clark is uh, is not worth the money this year. Would you agree with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's a fair. Yeah, so. With that being said, you got those four guys coming back. I feel like there's a minimum of one open slot. How would you approach this? I mean, I, I think the rest of the way here with the Packers all but being eliminated from the playoffs, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, we're getting closer to that point where we're, we're going, okay, look, playoffs are really, really looking, looking, uh, you know, too much of a stretch. Um, I would like to see Devontae White get a lot more playing time. But what do you think about defensive line? The Packers need to put their money where their mouth is. If they're a draft and develop team and the rest of the games from here on out are meaningless, Devontae Wyatt needs to get 
all the reps. He should be out there for as many reps as his body can handle because who cares if he makes mistakes and loses you the game? The reps are, are important. Um, the, the, you know, yes, we, we still want to win games from here on out, but you're, you're not costing yourself, you know, uh, any kind of, uh, impact on the postseason If Devonte Wyatt is screwing up, he's your first round pick. Th- this is a guy I wanted Devonte Wyatt with our pick at 22. He was one of my biggest first round draft crushes. I love Devonte Wyatt. Um, I think I had him, uh, right around, uh, number 10, on my draft board that he was like one of the right around the 10th best uh, player in this draft class. I really liked him. I was disappointed that we took Quay Walker at 22 only because I thought that meant we were going to miss out on Devonte Wyatt and then getting him at 28. I was ecstatic. Give him all the reps. If, if draft and develop is actually, um, you know, you're where, you know, what you believe in, it's time to develop. Yeah. Uh, Devonte Wyatt and TJ Slayton need, as many reps as you can give them, they're not going to cut Kenny Clark or, you know, do anything with him. He's going to keep playing out his contract the way he is. You got four guys on the roster. Um, Numbers from the past would say that we're probably going to carry about six into next year. Um, I'm not sure that, uh, that, you know, your top three guys are quite enough. I think you want somebody um, about like a Dean Lowry, back with whether that's somebody out in free agency maybe bring back jaron reed um which maybe is is what they end up doing there and then you're going to pick up another uh you know john ford level guy uh probably in um you know in the the mad scramble after (laughs) uh after the the draft you know and you're picking up uh you know these uh undrafted free agents that's probably where you're going to get another guy you know about that uh, level, uh, you know, Jack Heflin. I think Jack Heflin's on our practice squad. Actually, he's probably is going to be one of those guys. Ooh, yeah, I, I think that's probably it. I don't think that they're going to make any other uh, big plays there because they got two first round picks on that interior defensive line. You don't allocate any more, um, you know, top resources in that. You also got a fifth round pick in TJ Slayton. Is he fourth or fifth? He's right around fourth or fifth. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that those three are you know your your uh, big capital guys along there, and then. Listen, if you got three guys that you spent two first round picks and a fourth or fifth round pick, that that's enough for your interior. You don't need to add any other, um, you know, you just need to get the production that you need out of those guys. And I think you will if you're giving Devontae Wyatt those reps for the rest of the season. So they need to do that. I love uh, Dean Lowry. I think Jaron Reed's doing a good job, but it's time for Devontae Wyatt to get a lot of playing time yes. from here on out for the rest of the season. Sorry Absolutely. to Dean and, and Jaron, but uh, Devontae Wyatt is passing you because it's time for him to, to learn. Absolutely. I completely agree. And when you look at Kenny Clark, let's kind of backtrack to Kenny Clark here. He's 23.9 million against the cap next year. Guys, 64.3 PFF grade. I mean, you want to know why the run defense is struggling. It's because you've got that much money tied up in one player and he's not performing. That's not an indictment on Kenny Clark. I'm not saying they should cut Kenny Clark. I love everything Kenny Clark represents. I think he's a leader on this defense. Some people could say it's scheme. I don't personally believe that. When I watch the tape, I don't find myself going, they're putting a spot to fail here. I find myself going, when do you shed a block? Like, (laughs) when do I ever see you shed a block? So with Kenny Clark, 23.9 against the cap, there's a 20.8 dead cap hit, okay? So if you cut Kenny, you're only freeing up $3 So he's on the roster. For 2023. Yeah. Now, 
He's got a base salary, according to Spotrack, of $13 million, a signing bonus of $5 million, roster bonus of $2.5 million. Some of that can be converted. And when we talked about originally the restructure uh, potential of the Packers being um, 49 point or 49 million in simple restructure and then maximum restructure of 71.7. Let's don't even look at the maximum. Let's kind of peek over there to the, uh, to the uh, simple restructure. This is one of those contracts that you could do. You could convert some of that salary to signing bonus or to, uh, yeah, it's a signing bonus and you could, uh, you know, push that out a touch and free up some of that cap if indeed you want to keep Kenny on the roster. Now I'm not talking about pushing a crazy amount of money out. We're talking about two million here, two million there, right? Like Adrian Amos is a good example, guys. When we talk about, and we're gonna to get to the safeties in a second, but when we talk about this current roster and how it lays out, I mean Adrian Amos has underperformed, you know, dramatically. I think everybody would agree with that. Both he and Savage have just been horrendous this year as far as PFF rates are concerned. I see it on tape as well. Amos, not as much as Savage, but it is what it is. Adrian Amos next year on the cap is $7.9 million against the cap next year, and he's not even on the roster. So when we made this move this year to reset and bring everybody back the way that we did, Adrian Amos was one of those guys. And, man, if we knew he was going to perform the way he did, J.J., I think we agree he wouldn't be on this roster, right? <laughs> like, there would have been something done different. Um, how do you – well, let's get to safety in a minute. As far as defensive line, I completely agree with you. Those pieces are in place because of the contract. Clark's not going anywhere. Get Devontae Wyatt more reps. I, I think you've got to add two more bodies, although there's just one minimum, in my opinion. But uh, if you add another another solid defensive line to try to shore up that run defense, I think that would help this defense tremendously. Is there anything else you want to add to the defensive line room? Uh, the only thing I'll just say is that uh, with Kenny Clark's contract, I think they are going to do the max um, restructure. Kenny Clark and, and the way they set up his contract in the beginning, he's a guy that they uh, really love, um, that uh, they do still believe in for the long run. Um, backers have always been way higher on Kenny Clark than I ever have um, basically every single year of his career. Um, but they they – there's nobody on this roster that they like freeing up cap space from more than Kenny Clark every single year. They like to take basically his whole base salary and turn it into signing bonus. I think they're going to continue to do that. So you're going to free up a lot of money there. And uh, I am ready to talk about safety, um, but I might, might need to do some shots first because the safety position is, is a hard one to talk about on this roster. It's man. tough, man. It's tough. It is. Uh, Mike in the chat says Wyatt needs to play more now. Um, he should be basically out there as much as he can physically, at, at, as much as he can take physically. I completely agree. I know JJ does as well. Mike also says in the chat, uh, all the young guys should be playing all all the time moving forward. Guys like Watkins should not play unless absolutely necessary. This game this week, JJ, is where I kind of draw a line in the sand. If somehow you beat Dallas, and I don't expect it to happen personally. This is this is your last comes, chance, yeah. Yeah, if, if they somehow upset Dallas, then – you kind of keep moving forward, try to put the best product on the field. And, and you know, now you lose this game. Now you got to start looking at, okay, look. And, 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 you know, I know people in the chat, I know people on Twitter going, cut Rodgers, get rid of you. Guys, you've got to understand it's not an option to cut or trade Rodgers. You've got to remove that from the equation. The cap hit is way, he is protected in that sense. It's essentially a no trade clause. It might as well be with the cap hit. Now, could he retire? Yes. Do I think the Packers would be better if he retired? No, but I respect people's opinion that think they would. I, I can understand why you would feel that way, right? So I just we got to kind of 
you know, the next comment here with Mike says, including love. Now, here's why I, I will say if they lose to Dallas, JJ, you got to draw a line in the sand. If I'm Goody, I'm going to Rogers and saying, listen, dude, we tried. And you can't do this by yourself. Um, we screwed up. You, I would literally, I would take the complete fall with Rodgers and say, we know the thumb isn't isn't healthy. We've seen you underthrow players the last three weeks. Let's put you on our, let's put love in. Let's see what we got with this roster and let's reset for next year. You're protected. You're not a lame duck quarterback. You got what you wanted. You're not, you can't trade you. You're going to be back next year if indeed you want to come back. But there's no sense in putting your thumb through it. Let's get surgery, whatever you need. And let's move forward with Love. You get an assessment of Love. If you find out that, hey, look, Love is the guy, which I honestly don't think that game time is going to tell them that. I think they already know. And Ryan kind of alluded to it on, on Twitter that, you know, maybe maybe they already know whether he is or isn't the guy. If he is the guy, forget that fifth-year option. Extend that dude. Extend that dude to a contract. You can play with the money a lot easier in that regard rather than a fifth-year option being 100% guaranteed. It might as well be a franchise tag. Um that's the way I see that. So, yeah, Mike, good stuff, man. Um, and then Mike in the chat says, great discussion, fellas. I respect both your opinions very much. This is great content. We appreciate the love, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Yeah. And it, we never any, – anytime – it's so hard on Twitter, JJ, to not come across as an asinine you-know-what. But <laughs> it, it, you, you I, I love having these conversations, but it's like people go zero to 100 like that. And you're coming out of a conversation – where it went to 110 and you're stepping into a new conversation and you're still at 110 and they're at 10 mile an hour. And it's like, I don't, it's, it's hard to have a con. Every conversation we have roster wise, people jump yeah. into that conversation and make it about Rogers. And I'm like, we weren't it's even wild. about Rogers. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Mike, thank you though. We appreciate it. Let's move on to edge edge. you got Preston Smith as the highest cap hit right now. Grading out as a 64.2. Horrible. I mean, it's that's really bad. Rashawn Gary obviously just went to injured reserve, eighty-two point nine. I think we all agree, Rashawn Gary. Although the injury is going to make things awkward, get him locked up. He's the heart and soul of the defense. That's the guy you want to build around. Again, that's a top-tier position for me. Is edge, so you definitely want to bring him back. And then next on the list is Jonathan Garvin, forty-two point seven. I know it's a small amount of snaps, but. Uh, and then Enig Barr, though, man, 63.3, showing a little bit of promise. I think he's going to be ready to step in in two to three years when Preston Smith is done. When I say done, not that Preston will necessarily retire, but the way the contract is structured, we'll be able to get out of that in two years. And essentially, he, Devondre Campbell, and Russell Douglas were two-year deals as far as minimizing cap hit, wanting to get away from them in the future. So what do you think about the edge room, JJ? Yeah, well, I'll just say uh... – any bar is another guy I was thrilled to get because I had him as a second round pick. So we got him at the back of the fifth. Um, I was crushed, you know, that we, we hadn't drafted him. And I thought that, uh, you know, like at, at every round that ticked by, I was like, he's sitting there. He's a second round pick in my eyes. What are <laughs> yeah. we, what are we doing? Same. And then we even in the, and then, you know, toward the back of the, of the fifth round, we even traded down. I was like, well, that's it. They're, they're officially not going to take this guy. They still got him. Uh, I was overjoyed. I did view him as a little bit of a developmental guy. I didn't like um, anything he did in run support in college. That's something we've seen him start to develop his rookie year with the Packers here. And the fact that he is showing improvement there and, and has gotten so much better there in run support gives me all the confidence in the world in him uh, moving forward and his development. I'm thrilled that we have him. I really like our top three. Um, I expected... Uh, heavy regression from Preston this year. 
Um, Gooden yeah. came out uh, what a year or two years ago and kind of addressed his, you know, he's like, listen, something I have noticed with Preston over the course of his whole career is he kind of has good year, bad year, good year, bad year. And that, and I can't explain it, but that's what he always does. And so, you know, you're looking at it, you're like, well, I guess that means 2022 is a regression <laughs> year. Sure enough, it was. I don't know why, but Goody know. knows that, that, that that's a thing. And, uh, and it, it factored heavily into, you know, their decision making about uh, about bringing him back and, you know, giving him, um, you know, the contract that they did give him in, in 2021 uh, for that season. And I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're looking at him overall. I think he's um, you know going to be here for another uh, probably three, four years. I, I really think that, you know, unless yeah. he just really the bottom falls out. But, you know, uh, you know, you said he's at a 62. It's obviously not where you want him to be, but that's not. Uh, bottom fallout to the level that you're trying to move on from him and his cap hit really is not terrible moving forward it, you know he, by the time you're at like 2024 2025 he's about 15 million a year which is about probably going to be what we kind of think of as 10 11 million right now which is actually what he's costing us right now it's costing us 11 and a half you know by the time you're in 2025 and he's costing us 15 and a half it's going to be about the same equivalent in uh 2025 nfl money as what that 11 and a half is, uh, you know, right now, I think, you know, barring something going on with his health, you know, he'll be, uh, 34 years old in 2026 by the time this contract, um, expires. Uh, I think, you know, his, his health is going to be the biggest determining factor. Um, I, I think that they would like to keep him around for a while. Um, you know, Rashawn obviously is going to be the number one priority. Um, this off season is, is figuring out a, a, a long-term deal with Rashawn. Uh, I think he's earned it. Um, you know, th definitely there were uh, uh, things going on, you know, at leading up to his injury where you had some questions about um, some of his level of play. I think pr uh, particularly in, in uh, run support and trying to seal off the edge, he wasn't doing quite what you want. But no question, he's one of the best young pass rushers in the NFL. He should be your number one priority is, is wrapping him up. And, I, and I'll, I'll even say I care more about what they do with Rashawn than I do about Aaron Rodgers because – Rashawn, you know, he's he's like the the TJ Watt of the Packers. You know, he's the guy that you got to build that defense around. Um, he is everything that they were hoping he would be when they spent that number 12 draft pick on him. You got to do whatever it takes to keep him, and they will. And and you know, even just leaving out how good he is on the field, you look at what kind of a locker room presence he is and, and the leadership he provides his incredible loyalty and work ethic. I have zero concern. He is going to uh, be here long-term. He's going to be, I, you know, I, I think, you know, barring, um, you know, an explosive emergence of, of Jordan love. I think the second Rogers is out the door, Rashawn Gary is the face of your franchise, um, you know, for, for the next few years going forward. Um, and I don't see anybody else who, um, you know, really is, is poised to, to kind of take that mantle from him other than potentially Jordan love, or if you have a different quarterback post Rogers um, and, uh, and, and we do before we wrap up, we do have to, to um, have a conversation at some point um, talking about the future of the quarterback thing and, and, and talking about, you know, you, you made some comments about your thoughts on uh, first round draft picks. And I, I, I did want to have a, a quick chat about that before we wrap up, but I recognize we're still on, on edge. I like our top three guys. Um, Garvin, I, I, you know, kind of could take or leave. Uh, I, I, another guy that we have, um, in the building though, is Ladarius Hamilton, who I 
would kind of like to see contract, more right? of. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think he's still still on the books for us next year. I don't think he's a free agent. Uh, I don't see him anywhere on the list here. Ladarius is a guy that I, I really do actually like and um, you know have more confidence in him than I do in like Garvin or Tipa. I think I, I think Ladarius has something there, and I was I was surprised that he did not make the fifty three this year. I really was expecting him to be that final guy. Yeah, and it kind of shows you the game within the game, right? And and you know maybe Goody looking at it like Garvin has seen more playing time than these guys. If we try to put him to the practice squad, he may get scooped up as opposed to someone who's very unproven. And now what do you got? Right. You got him sitting on the practice squad, ready to step into a futures contract, minimum contract for next year. There's a lot of things, man. That practice squad and the and the rule change there has really played in to how everything yes. unfolds. We're Huge. gonna move on from Edge. Before we do, though, you mentioned about Preston Smith. I just want to bring the numbers up to kind of explain to the to the listeners what you were talking about. Preston Smith, thirteen million on the cap this year, a dead cap of nine point seven. So you can only free up like three three point three million dollars if you cut him uh, for twenty twenty three, right? Well, in twenty twenty four, um, uh, Preston Smith fourteen point eight million. The cap penalty drops down to seven point three million. Okay, and why do I mention that? Because you got a five point seven million dollar. Uh, salary there as, as well as a 2.4 signing bonus, 6.2 roster bonus. So it just kind of show you he's going to be on the roster in 2023. 2024 is when they might potentially could move on from him. But again, he has a great year next year for that cap hit. If he seems like he's going to carry that over um, to 2024, keep him on the roster. So good stuff there. Let's move on to inside linebacker. I'm showing four on the roster. Um, that's Devondre Campbell. He graded out as a 76.7 so far, which is the fourth best defender on the roster. Um, you've got a Quay Walker, a 50.4, who 25th on defense as far as PFF ranking. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, 68.4. He's seventh. This is what I was talking about a few weeks ago, JJ. I said on the pod, I don't know if you heard it or not, but I said I would like to see McDuffie get some reps over Quay Walker. I really would just because let's let's let Quay step back a minute and kind of watch from the sideline. Okay, let me get my feet, you know, kind of under me here. And then what do they do the next week, JJ? They gave him the green dot duties. <laughs> I was way off. Um, but they've also got Tariq Carpenter listed as a linebacker on the site that I use. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, safety question mark beside him. He could be considered a safety. I don't know. I, obviously, he's more of one of those hybrid players, but, you know, Call it what you want. If you consider him an inside linebacker, then you've got four on the roster in 2024. If you consider him a safety, you only got three. But Campbell, you're good. Quay Walker's the linebacker of the future. Obviously, you got McDuffie coming back, who's going to be a service. Well, he's, I think he's still leading in PFF grade as far as special teams, so he's a special teams ace there. That might be another reason why they lean on Quay so much as rookie year. But are you happy with the inside linebackers, or do you want to see a change there? I do want to see a change, and that's I want a new inside linebackers coach. Uh, I've, I've never <laughs> liked Kurt Olavidotti since you know his first year with the team. I don't, I don't get him. Um, but a, as for the players, I think this is fine. Um, I would be interested in seeing them bring back Eric Wilson. Um, obviously, I, you know, I want to see him continue to play the rest of the year. You know, with Devondre Campbell, uh, you know, having some health concerns and and you know missing a little bit of time here and there. I think he's inactive for this Dallas game. Is that correct? Do you do you recall? I know he I believe so, yeah. I think that's right, yeah. So I, I you know that's that's a good opportunity for McDuffie, who you like to get some more playing time, get Eric Wilson out there. Um I I, I couldn't go quite as far as like you know uh, benching Quay Walker for any amount of time. I you know he he's a rookie, you knew he was gonna have some struggles this year, and I, I think that he has been playing better and better as the season yeah, goes his, on. His last two games, right? His last two games were pretty solid. 
And I and I want to continue to see him get every single rep he can, you know, especially since you know we're looking at this and saying that the rest of the games probably are pretty meaningless. Although interestingly, um, the the weird thing is uh, with the way the rest of the NFL is stacked up with their wins and losses, a loss to Dallas this week doesn't impact things as much as you would think in terms of their of their playoff chances. Uh, the Packers still have about a 16% chance of making the playoffs and with the rest of the NFC continuing to suck, you know, we just had the uh, Atlanta Falcons just lost to the two win Carolina Panthers on Thursday. And I, I was kind of torn when I saw that happen because, um, you know, I was looking at it and I was saying, well, that puts us ahead of the Panthers in the draft order. So that's kind of, you know, <laughs> maybe a silver lining there. Um, but the uh, you know if they lose against Dallas, uh, they still have um, close to a ten percent chance of making the playoffs. It, it's if they pick up two more losses that that kind of solidifies you know the fate of the season. If they get two more losses, they actually have higher odds of getting the number one overall pick than they do of making the playoffs at that point mathematically. But that also assumes that the teams you're expecting to win win, because if we continue to have you know this um, uh, NFL or an NFC um, parody of suckiness where no team wants to pull ahead at all. You might still be in a similar situation in two weeks where you're just in this purgatory of like, well, we still got about a 10% chance of making the playoffs. Maybe we uh, don't put Aaron on IR because we want to keep, you know, hope that he starts playing better and we sneak into the playoffs and get hot at the right time. You know, you're, you're in that uh, sort of purgatory that I described us as being, after the Buffalo game where, you know, we lost to the bills by honestly, by more points than most teams are losing to them, but it felt like a better performance. And so, you know, it's this uh, kind of uh, poor timing with the NFL trade deadline where, you know, if they had turned in like a Detroit lions uh, performance, like they had, you know, that they had last week against the bills two weeks ago, I think, Goody is probably more looking at that with some certainty of like, this team isn't going to do anything. And I do want to, you know, get some value out of guys like Aaron Jones. I could probably get a first round pick in a trade for him, you know, but he just had absolutely, there's no clarity because the Packers looked like they might be a lot better against yeah. the bills. And then, uh, you know, the very next week they get, you know, essentially blown out by the worst team in the NFL. And you're it looking at like that and saying, Man, man, if I had known that a week ago, there's some guys who wouldn't be here today because I could get more for them than what we're getting out of them. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, but but it, it will be interesting. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I want Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt to get all the playing time that they can. And, you know, love Devondre Campbell, but I'm, I'm kind of glad if he misses some time this week because uh, I, I would like to see those young guys out there. I don't know what we have in Tariq Carpenter. Um, yeah, I, I was higher on him preseason than I am right now. You know, he's basically been a non-factor so far this year. Yeah. Uh, but Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie getting some time out there. Uh, I think Chris Barnes is probably going to be playing as well. Um, I Qu uh, Chris Barnes is a um, uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Right. I think the Packers would probably like to bring him back, but I don't think they care a ton. Um, and you know, with with Isaiah McDuffie being a guy who kind of shows you some flashes occasionally that make you think that maybe he really could be a stud long term. I, I just for this Dallas game, I would not like to see Chris Barnes out there very much. Um, 
because I, I would like to see Quay and McDuffie out there getting all those reps, uh, getting a chance to work together, um, you know, and, and, and really, really see what we have in McDuffie uh, for next year. It, you know, in addition to getting Quay all that valuable playing time. Absolutely. And that's what's so cool about having these conversations. I'm sure the listeners agree. But for me personally, when we're talking about this stuff, I'm immediately making notes, too, on my pad here. I'm going, all right, Dallas, really want to keep an eye on Devontae Wyatt, really want to keep an eye on McDuffie. You know, those are things you want to look for and kind of see how they step up to the uh, to the occasion there. All right, let's move on to corner. Um, corner, you got Jair Alexander, 76.9. He's third on the defensive side of the ball as far as PFF. Rasul Douglas, 67.9. He's eighth. And then you got Stokes, 53.7. Oh, man, 22nd, uh, according to PFF on our defense. And then uh, uh, Shamar Jean Charles, 62.2. He's 14th on defense. Obviously, Stokes is the big black eye there. I know he's got um, the injury issue, and hopefully everything's good there long term. You never, you, Whether someone's underperforming or not, you never want to see a player get hurt, especially when it's one that's scary like that. Um, and uh, I hope he turns it around. I do, man, because that's you know a first-round pick. That's a lot of – a lot of faith in a guy, but he's definitely underperformed this year. The thing I've struggled with the most watching him this year, JJ, is, is in man coverage. He just looks lost in man. And with his skill set, you would think that's something he would thrive at. You know, it's just – I don't know. It's its its definitely – it's not athleticism. It's awareness more than it's athleticism, in my opinion, or lack thereof. So, for that yeah. being said, you've got four coming back on the roster, not including the futures, not including the practice squad players. But uh, you've got one spot there open minimum with that fifth fifth spot there. Alexander's going to be back. Douglas is going to be back. Stokes is obviously going to be back. John Charles is going to be back. Is there any reason to spend any extra money in the cornerback room? I know they've underperformed to, based off what we were expecting coming in this year, but how would you approach the cornerback uh, room? Yeah, I don't know that you make any uh, moves, you know, any, any kind of big moves there. I think you, know, you got your your big three right there, and and the biggest question that I really have is how do you use them going forward? Because I think that they really were misused this year. Uh, a, a big conversation that we had preseason was who do you put in the slot? Cause you kind of got three outside, you know, three boundary corners here in your top three guys and you don't need three boundary corners. And there was, uh, a, a, I, I didn't really have an answer. I'll, I'll just say, so I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, say, Oh, I was right. And everybody else was wrong. I think right. everybody else was wrong. And I just said, I don't know. <laughs> um, so there, there, there was a big, uh, you know, conglomerate of people who were saying you got to put Jair in the slot because Stokes and Rasul can't do it. And I think that they're, you know, that has been kind of borne out that like Douglas is a horrible slot corner. He's, I, I, I think he's absolutely like bottom of the barrel terrible as a slot corner. Like his skills are not being utilized at all. And, um, you know, I, I think you, I think you get better production out of uh, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot than you do Rasul Douglas. I kind of want to see Douglas exclusively on the boundary where he does thrive, where we have seen him be good in the past. Yep. You know, that that is where you can maximize what he does well. You know, it, it feels like taking Aaron Rodgers and having him play tight end. Like, what are you doing? He's got, right. you know, incredible skills as a quarterback and he's useless as a tight end. I feel like that's what we're doing with Rasul, you know, and and do you want to squander uh, Jair's talents in the slot? Not really, but I, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, this was the big thing when we, when we paid all this to bring Rasul back, you know, and you like Rasul, but it, it was a little bit weird that you brought in a third 
highly paid boundary corner. You know, other teams really don't do that. Um, and we kind of have a little bit of a, a deficit of guys who can play in the slot. Now, are we going to see uh, Darnell Savage play at the slot this week with the you know addition of Jonathan Abram at safety? That'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, the Darnell Savage obviously has been one of the hottest topics of this entire regular season, you know, and, and even the off season and, and the end of last season, what the heck do you do with Darnell Savage? You know, is he, does he have anything left in the tank at all? Um, Joe Barry, you know, says, well, I think he'd be an incredible slot corner. Okay, man, <laughs> put your money where your mouth is. Cause he's yeah. a terrible safety and we have a terrible slot corner. So, uh, you know, you don't like to see injury to Stokes, but the one positive that comes out of it, we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase is you're taking away all excuses from Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur in terms of how you restructure this, uh, this secondary. And I, I'm just saying, man, I don't know that I want to bring back Jair Stokes and Douglas all next year. I, you know, I, yeah, it's nice to have the depth at boundary corner for sure, but we're not paying these guys as the one of them is depth. We're paying three starters. So yeah. there, there is definitely a part of me that would be, looking to maybe move one of these guys in the off season, just because you're kind of squandering some resources, in my opinion, that you, you know, you got three guys and two spots for him, and you're kind of unwilling to play Jair in the slot. And he's kind of the only guy who can do it. I, I, don't, I just don't think that what we're paying Rasul for the production we're getting out of him in the slot is a, um, you know, responsible managing, you know, and stewardship of the resources you have. I think you need to find some way to uh, maximize the strength of all three of these guys. But the questions you have about Stokes also leaves you feeling a little bit your hands tied behind your back because, you know, do you want to trust him as your uh, boundary CB2? I think that Rasul is a better boundary right now than Stokes is. So, you know, do you move Rasul and, and, and roll with Stokes, you know, that there's an argument to be made in favor of that, but I think that 
you know, there's every danger that you could find yourself with the situation you have with Darnell Savage right now with Stokes in a, in a year or two where you're just like, man, we've given him all this time. And yeah, he shows flashes occasionally, but he can't put it all together with any kind of consistency. So um, I think we have a little more clarity now than we did uh, during the offseason about the cornerback room, but not necessarily still. Uh, you know, any any clear and obvious uh, path forward to sorting this out. All I know is that right now, I don't think it's working, you know, and the, and the secondary <laughs> secondary has been a problem. And I, I think that this Stokes injury, you know, the, the huge negative is that, you know, you're not giving Stokes any more time to keep getting these, this playing time and continue to develop. But the benefit is you're removing all excuses from uh, Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur Put your money where your mouth is. Rearrange this defense, you know, the, the way that your your lips are telling us it would work best. Put Darnell in the slot. Put Rasul yeah. on the boundary. That's yeah, and- obviously the path forward. Are they going to do it? Pfft, who knows? <laughs> What's amazing, too, is how Adrian Amos has played more free safety than strong safety this year and vice versa. Um, but – Here's, here's how I see that whole situation. First of all, you know, what you said with Rasul playing boundary, I completely agree. I think you put him on the boundary. They should have done it weeks ago because Stokes has played that bad. I would like to see him play boundary. This week we're kind of forced into it with the Stokes injury. Now, as far as getting rid of, and I'm not saying that's exactly what you were saying, as far as if we tried to move on from Rasul Douglas in 2023, I personally don't want to see that happen. Um, 6.7 against the cap next year with a cap penalty of 3.5. So you could free up $3 million in cap. I would much rather have Russell playing. But what what the big mistake that I keep seeing with this Packers front office, JJ, is they won't accept the fact that maybe they missed on a first-round pick. Maybe Stokes isn't as good as they thought he was. Put Russell on the boundary where he's strong, right? Now, if you put Savage in the slot like we're talking about, um, his coverage grade isn't great. Right. However, his run tackling is freaking horrible. You put him at the slot, you're really going to limit how many times you see him, you know, come up in the run fit. You know, especially the fact that when they go to a heavy set, they've got that strong safety rolled into the box. You know, I showed like a 34 front on Chalk Talk this week where safety's right, where Savage is right there in the box and Amos is playing deep. I know there's schematically, there's reasons they do that. But this week, Alexander on the boundary, Douglas on the boundary, put Savage in the slot, play Rudy Ford at safety, and you you literally two birds with one stone. Savage is on the roster next year, guys. There's no getting around it, right? You could trade him, but you still take the cap hit. However, we're going to get to safety in a second. You're two birds with one stone. You get to see can Savage play the slot this week if they do this, and you also get to see can Rudy Ford handle an entire game at safety. So, again, Devontae White, keep your eye on him. Uh, O.J. McDuffie, or Isaiah McDuffie, I should say. I always go back to the 90s. Isaiah McDuffie, you get to see what you got there. And then, obviously, you can see can Stokes play the slot, and you can see can Rudy Ford play safety. I don't think that Abram is going to be ready in that short amount of time. Not that he won't get some snaps, but, I mean, you see these safeties still making mistakes in this Joe Barry defense, mental mistakes. How in the world is a guy going to come in and pick it up immediately? You know, I just don't see it. So, let's uh, – well, let we're at the – Hang on. The, one, one correction – if they trade Darnell Savage, there's zero cap hit. There, there, really? there's no dead, there's no dead money at all. His contract is fully guaranteed, but it travels with him. The, you have dead cap hit if you have prorated bonuses, and we 
um, all of his prorated bonuses um, in, in the form of his the signing bonus he got with his rookie contract, those have all been paid out. He has zero dead cap hit if we trade him. Um, if we don't trade him, you know, if we cut him, yes, we do have the cap hit. If we trade him, it all travels with him. Gotcha. So check that out. So that's the other thing, too, though. What team is going to look at that tape and say, yeah, we'll take on almost $8 million. You know, it's kind of kind of yin and yang there. But that's that's a great point. I'm glad I'm glad you put it. I see it here now. Yeah, I'm glad you point that, pointed that out because Ryan mentioned that a couple weeks ago as well. Um, man. I don't, I don't see a team that's going to do it unless it's just going to be, you know, hey, give us a six-round pick, and you get a first-round talent, but it gets this off our books, you know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, though, see how it comes comes into play for sure. I, I will say, going back to Stokes for a second, you know, and, and, and talking about, uh, you know, you, you have the you – know, you're talking about the sunk cost fallacy with the first-round pick and that, you know, they won't admit when they make mistakes – I'll just say I have not seen anything from Stokes yet to have me alarmed. He's still only a second year player. And I, you know, you know, when I look at football uh, and, and roster construction and drafting and all that, I mean, right there in my top 10 commandments, maybe at like number two or three is give every play, you know, give your rookies three years before you figure out what you have in them. Because, uh, you, you know, you got, if we had evaluated Darnell Savage in like year two, we would have said absolutely bona fide. You know, he's a hit, you know, and now that we're in, in year four, we kind of know what we have in him. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's not great. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. And you got other guys. I mean, listen, I swear halfway through the 2021 season, I still had idiots arguing with me on Twitter about how Rashawn Gary was a freaking bust. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Halfway through the year, there was a guy, I finally blocked him because I was so sick of every single game, like, you know, four or five times a game. He'd be like, oh, look at, you know, look at what our first round bust did, you know, on that rep. And listen, by the end of the year, everybody had finally shut up. It, it You have to give him a full three years. So I'm 0% concerned about Stokes right now because um, halfway through his second year in the NFL, you don't know Jack about whether he's a hit or not. He's got he's got issues in his game right now for sure, and and mm-hmm. yeah, that affects your your decisions about playing time for right now if you're trying to make it into the playoffs. But long term, it's you know, we're we are only halfway through the minimum amount of time to evaluate whether he's a hit or not, and way too often you get guys who you proclaim a hit too early or proclaim a bust too early. You got to give them a full three years, and and there's other position you know some positions like tight end where it's even more important than others that you wait that full three years i think uh you know and and, and quarterback as well as one where um you know quarterback maybe is is a little bit less so where you kind of have an idea earlier on you got your outliers like uh like josh allen where you know it takes a a few years for them to really get rolling but more or less you kind of know earlier uh whether you got a guy or not but i i think i think uh cornerback is one of those where you do have to continue to let them develop a bit gotcha Good stuff, man. Um, we got to move quick, and I know we're going to get back. We're going to circle back around to the quarterback to wrap up here in a second. But I do want to say this. I want to ask you this question. With Alexander Douglas and Stokes, let's say they're all three healthy. Where do you got each of those guys playing? Are you saying that you would, you would play Stokes over Douglas on the boundary or you would play Douglas over Stokes on the boundary right now? For 2023 or for right now? Yeah, 2023. For 2023, uh, man, I, I don't have a good plan, but I, I would okay. be okay. – I would be I interested in I'd be interested in trying to shop Rasul for some sort of really? capital. Maybe, maybe for maybe maybe do a player for player trade. You know, maybe there's a team that has 
um, you know, some safeties and they have a, a lack of options at boundary corner, you know, and, and if it's a good team that he'd be willing to go play for, maybe that's a win-win. I just think that um, it, it, it's not prudent management of the assets you have to be paying uh, three boundary corners when you can only play two of them. And yeah, in, in a perfect world where uh, you don't have roster limits and you don't have salary cap that you have to allocate to all 53 spots on your roster every year. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's have backup boundary corners who are played like starter or paid like starters. But I, I just think that we have enough holes elsewhere on the team that I, I can't be, um, you know, playing with those kinds of, of luxuries. You cool. know, if, if, if the roster looked like it did last year, yeah, why not? You, you're, you're getting great production from basically everywhere on the field. Sure, you can afford to uh, pay your backup corner whatever you want to. But when we have as many holes as we feel like our roster does, I'm just not willing to, you know, it, it's like, it's like uh, you know, keeping too many starters at any other position where you can't play them all. And I, and I just don't, unless you're willing to put Jair in the slot, which the Packers don't seem to want to do, I just don't think that uh, Stokes or Douglas are capable of being the slot. You know, they've gotcha. been trying to do that all year with Rasul, and it's not working. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I, I respectfully disagree. I, I would keep Douglas over Stokes personally. Not that we have to get rid of one or the other, you know. But uh, yeah, I, my my choice would be Douglas over Stokes for sure. And and we stay in the nickel so often that I I do consider three corners as starters personally. Um, I understand I, I think what you're saying I think about the slot. I think part of this is a, a difference in how you and I view Rasul. I think you have a higher opinion of Rasul than I do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I like him. I, I certainly like him as a leader and as a player, but I, I don't have him. You know, I, I don't think he's, you know, one of our best players on defense, uh, you know, right. even, even fully healthy and playing on the boundary. I think that he's good. It's just amazing too. Like you're, you're one draft pick, one draft hit away from everything changing too. Like when you, you look at what the Patriots did, they drafted Jack Jones, I think's his name. Yeah. That dude's like one of the highest graded corners in the entire NFL right now as a rookie. And it's like you're just one of those players away um, from turning things around. So let's move on to safety here. Um, only got two returning as far as from what I've seen on Spotrack. You've got Darnell Savage, 47.6 PFF grade. I don't even – Horrible. I'm, I'm so tired of talking about it. but uh, And it's, it's one thing to go, ah, PFF grade don't match what I'm watching. I've watched this – all year long, and I say I'm going on, and, and we on the post game show. I'll be like Savage, horrible today. PFF grade hits, bam, it's there. When when a dumb redneck from Tennessee can see it and it matches up with the PFF data, it's like I don't understand why we cannot say, you know what, let's shake things up. But it is what it is. He's returning next year, like we talked about. Cap hits a little under eight million. Like JJ pointed out, if they trade him, it does travel. Maybe they can get something out of him. You free that off the books. I mean, that's freaking huge. That's a game changer there. Not that they will, but and you've also got Scott who had no grade on PFF. And uh, obviously you want to carry a minimum of four safeties on the roster. Um, you guys have heard me talk about it. I would like to see them re-sign Rudy Ford and give him, you know, you could get a real real nice contract, guarantee some money, and it'd be discounted from salary cap hit perspective. Oh. But. So Rudy Ford is under contract for next year, I think. Is he not? Really? Well, he, so hang on. He's not. He's not I'm listed sure. on Spot Track as a as a unrestricted free agency. So he he signed. So huh. he signed a two year contract with the Jaguars. 
right? They cut maybe, him. Maybe maybe he is a free agent. Yeah, Spotrak is showing him as a as a uh, unrestricted free agent. But of course, they were showing they were also showing Yash as an unrestricted free agent as well. So oh, um, I see what's going on. Hang on, Spotrak is listing him by his legal first name, Jonathan Ford. <laughs> That's what threw me off because we have another Jonathan the Ford on the roster. So I just right, I just yeah. automatically thought, okay, so yeah, nope, go, carry gotcha. on. So it's uh, right. it's Savage and uh, and Vernon Scott. You're right. Yeah. So safety guys, safety has got to be one of those top needs. And as we wrap up defense here, um, the needs I have, JJ, minimum needs: one defensive lineman, one corner, two safeties. But how do you see the safety position? How do you want to see it handled? Dude, I, I don't know what you do with the safety position because I. I was baffled they didn't draft a safety this past year. Same, yeah. I was I was baffled that they didn't uh, give Adrian Amos a new contract, and I think that his age probably has to do with that. And you have seen him fall off a bit this year. Um, I think that there is a decent argument that I would listen to for letting him walk. I also wouldn't be mad if they brought him back. Um, you know, but uh, it has baffled me the last two years. That they, you know, with with the way his contract, um, you know, keeps getting restructured and they keep pushing money out further and further into these void years, it didn't make any sense to me. You know, he's going to be on the books for us once he's not on the roster for a hefty amount. And I'm saying, listen, if we're already paying for a guy that I want on the team to not be here, let's just tack on some actual real years instead of these void years. You get the same cap benefit, um, but. Uh, I, I I don't understand not bringing him back, despite the fact that his play has kind of gone down a bit this year. Um, you know, I, all, all our safeties are playing bad, and and, and uh, I I'm not I'm not ready to say that. Well, Adrian Amos's struggles are specifically on him. All our safeties are bad. Um, I have questions about our safeties coach. I have a, a, some you know some questions about the um, uh, production of the entire secondary and the entire defense and the entire roster as a whole. They're all playing kind of worse than they than they were last year um amos's regression is not significant enough to me to panic right now um he has been playing poorly um overall but that largely has to do with the consistency um and i, I don't i don't look at uh his level of play as really being tied to any kind of a drop off in age i think he's in, in in a bit of a funk um, and, and the whole safety room seems to be in the funk. And I yeah. think that r- rather than just moving on from players that we have reason to believe are good, let's figure out what the heck is causing this stink in the safety room. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's absolutely wild to me that the safeties are playing worse this year than they were last year when they didn't have a freaking position coach. You know, yeah. I, I, so I don't, I don't know what Ryan Downard is doing with those guys. Um, I don't know, you know, why the safeties are struggling so much. I've tried to have Sam Holman explain to me you know, a bunch of times like, all right, you know, how uh, how hard is this defensive scheme on the safeties? And he's, you know, make some allowances for, yes, it is asking a lot of the safeties, but also they are drastically underperforming. So um, I personally, I'd like to bring Amos back. We are handcuffed to Savage. You're going to have those two guys back, but I don't understand why we didn't draft a safety this past season. I, th- I felt that it was one of my top priorities for the off season was find a third safety. And they really didn't, you know, and, you know, thank God that we got Rudy Ford right now. Cause I think he's playing uh, excellent football. I think he should be getting a lot, a lot of playing time. I think he should be playing over uh, Savage right now. Um, but the, the safety room in my opinion is a disaster. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, 
all the leadership of the Packers, they really need to sit down and, and you know do some heavy soul searching on what the heck is wrong with our safeties. And we need to make it make it a priority in the 2023 offseason to make sure we are fielding a competent safety room for the 2023 regular season. Because honestly, you know, yes, the the regression that we're seeing from these guys is more than we would have expected. But I don't think the overall production we're seeing from the safety room is too far off from kind of what we were viewing um, as being a, a real potential because we had a lot of concern about you're really only going into the season with with two safeties. What happens when one of them gets hurt? You know, you need more than two safeties on your freaking roster. And we have questions about one of them. Big questions. And then the other guy is getting up there in age. So I, I don't understand why the safeties were so neglected this uh, past season, um, but it, I, I think that that is squarely on, on Brian Gutekinds for not doing more to bolster the safeties because we all talked about it in the offseason that what you have is not okay for the 2022 season in the safety room, and 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 it's it's gone worse than we thought it would even. Absolutely, yeah. And for me personally, <clears throat> yeah, bring Amos back for the right price, but that's going to be that's going to be a big big drop in salary for me. Um, Savage, like you said, we're stuck with him unless a trade, you know, happens. Safety, in my opinion, that second tier of positions is defensive tackle, middle linebacker, and free safety. Those are the right down the center of the defense needs to be stout. You've got that in Devondre Campbell. I truly believe that. Um, now, Quay Walker, still kind of up in the air. But you've got Campbell right in the middle. Kenny Clark is underperformed, and the safeties have played horrible. That is why this defense is underperforming, in my opinion. So yes. this offseason, go out and spend some money on safety. Spend some money or some draft capital. And that's the only thing, too, like you, just because you draft you know, a first-round pick at safety doesn't mean they're going to be great, especially in year one. So if we're going to compete next year, you're going to have to really take some money and put it into safety. So, all right, good well, stuff. We, also, we, we only got two guys under contract for 2023 for safety, Darnell Savage and Vernon Scott, who I think – I don't think you would agree both are horrible. And you need four or five safeties on your 53-man roster. You have zero that you feel comfortable starting. You know, so you, you got to add a minimum of a minimum of two guys that you feel you can start. Um, uh, granted, they're probably still going to start Savage next year. Uh, you know, maybe this whole slot cornerback experiment does pan out, and you think you found something you can do with him. Um, but right now, you know, if we're if we're looking at where the biggest ground needs to be made up on the entire roster. If you need four safeties you can play and you got zero, uh, that, that's where I'd start. So definitely Absolutely. agree on, on spending some money in free agency. And you got to draft another guy uh, for the future. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're just going to breeze over special teams really, really quick here. Specialists, I should say. Uh, Mason Crosby not under contract next year, so the kicker slot is open as it sits right now. That The fact that they brung uh, several kickers in for workouts, you're carrying Nordine on, on the practice squad – kind of makes me think that Mason has told them, hey, this might be the last year. If that's the case, he and Rodgers are kind of attached at the hip just as much as Bakhtiari is. I kind of feel like um, when Rodgers goes, Crosby goes and vice versa. So I'm not saying Crosby won't be back, but right now he's not on the roster to the best of my knowledge. Pat O'Donnell will be back. I think he's a solid punter. I want to see him on the roster. And long snapper Coco, man, he's come in and done a great job. And then amazing, we, we, kind, of, we kind of fixed that issue, right? For the most part, so yeah, and Coco is under contract, so that's the long snapper yeah. is the only special position I think 
that you actually have locked up is is uh O'Donnell under contract next year? I guess he is. He is, yeah. is. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he definitely is. So your holder, your holder is good to go, your long snapper is good to go. Does Mason want to come back or not? If he doesn't, then obviously you take those swings there with the kicker position, like they have with practice squad players, things like that, constant tryouts. Um yeah. and then and, you know, and I like I like Ramiz. You know, if, if he's our option next year, I think that's fine. Uh, they they have the last couple of years you can have seen they have been trying to find that guy that they could set up for the next year because Mason's been up in the air and you don't know every year like because he keeps getting older and older is he going to retire I think that they thought they maybe had something in JJ Molson so right. you know the, the fact that that didn't work out um, you know you, they're they're trying this year with uh, Ramiz Ahmed and I like him you know we'll we'll have to see uh if they still feel you know the same way about him in this coming off season but i think they will probably have um a, a kicking competition uh anyways and have have three or four uh camp bodies at kicker uh provided that mason isn't back which i think you know given his age um given uh you know like you said with the with the changeover with with rogers and and he has bounced back this year mason has but the fact that he's a free agent uh i i think it's more likely than not that he retires at the end of the season Got it. Good stuff, man. So as we wrap up this segment, guys, and we're going to get out of here real soon, essentially you've got, um, in my opinion, bare minimum nine needs, one wide receiver, three tight ends, one defensive lineman, one corner, two safeties, and a kicker. Uh, you got eight draft picks coming up. You've got a first-rounder that's going to allocate to about $4 million against the cap as it sits right now being a top-ten pick. So you've got that first rounder, you got a second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, no sixth rounder, but you got three sevenths. One coming from the LA Rams, one coming from Jacksonville, and one being the Packers' true seventh round pick. So 40 players on the roster. The goal is to reach 51. 51 is what um, the top 51 players on the roster is what goes towards the salary cap. Keep in mind, you've got your practice squad future contracts that are going to come into play. Again, eight draft picks. As it sits right now, according to Spotrack, negative 3.1 million uh, cap space for 2023, as JJ pointed out, over the cap shows them three in the positive. You've got roughly 40-some million in simple restructures that can happen, 70 million that you know hit the 70 million in cap space for like extreme restructures. We don't even want to think about that. We don't even really think about the 40 million, but I think it's very, very safe to say that in the blink of an eye, the Packers can come up with anywhere from 10 to $20 million in cap space this offseason Easily. to work with. Yep. Now, as we circle around, JJ, um, quarterback, you wanted to talk about quarterback, right? And we're going to wrap this big bear up. What was it you wanted to talk about with quarterback? I'm sure it was around Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, how to approach that moving forward or what was on your right. mind? Well, so, you know, you made a comment in passing um, that I, I think you maybe you, you said you were quoting a tweet from Ryan, which I hadn't seen that tweet, but talking about, you know, maybe maybe we don't need to see more from Jordan Love because the Packers already know what they have in him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, to me, that would be the only explanation for why they don't give him the playing time. You know, I, I think about like even like, you know, multiple halves and quarters in the preseason where you're just throwing away chances to see uh, Love put reps out there and, and giving them to, you know, some meaningless uh, backup quarterback who's who's not even going to be with you for much longer. Yeah, you know, and and I think that there have been a lot of opportunities really squandered. You know, I think back to the uh, first half of the Detroit, Detroit Lions game last year where the Packers clearly didn't care at all whether they won or lost that game, um, you know, by, by the fact that they they pulled Aaron Rodgers at halftime. And, and they even were talking about how, like, well, it doesn't really matter because it's not going to affect our, our uh, playoff seating. And, you know, sure, 
you know, you, you look at it, you know, in hindsight and say, well, I guess playing a half didn't help Aaron Rodgers or the offense because they, they didn't do anything in the playoff game. Um, but it, I think I think the whole thing should have been more of a consideration. We have to figure out what we have in Jordan Love because the Packers value their future at quarterback so highly. And they, they view that, you know, knowing who your quarterback is going to be. Let me interrupt so. for just a second. That way I, I got the tweet here just so you kind of know the context okay. of it real quick. Um, conversation started, get about halfway through. Of course, Rodgers gets mentioned like every other tweet. Yeah. <laughs> but it came to Love. And Ryan was responding to a tweet and he said, well, maybe they already do have an evaluation. That's entirely possible. In which case, I guess we'll find out soon enough what the Packers have decided. Maybe that's why they aren't putting him in and letting Rodgers rest his thumb. They've seen enough. I came back and responded and said, that would keep the leverage of an extension in favor of the Packers for sure. If they do think he is one, uh, now would be the perfect time for an extension and stay away from that fifth-year option now also be in this offseason, of course. And then Ryan said, well, yeah, that's assuming the assessment is positive. I was leaning the other way. But you think, but I think you're right. That'll be telling. If we find out Rodgers wants to retire and the Packers don't pull the trigger, it's looking like they are very much not confident. So we were just kind of going back and forth. I, I didn't want to I didn't want that tweet to come across in the comment earlier to misrepresent what Ryan was actually saying. That was the context of the conversation. Sure. I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead though. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, no, that, that that's cool. It helps. The, <clears throat> I I agree with what you're saying about like forget Jordan Love's fifth year option. Like it's, it's I think it's going to be something like twenty million bucks off the top of my head. I could be totally off on that, but I think it's like twenty million bucks. And, and like you and, pointed and, out, now we know that would travel if we traded him. So that's a little bit of a game changer. But I agree. I don't think we should pick it up. Go ahead. Right. And, and I think, you know, based on the fact that he hasn't really played at all, you could negotiate a much lower contract, you know, give him, give him a couple of years. Um, you know, I, I think he, I think Jordan probably would rather have uh, an extra year or two of some security over, uh, you know, a, a few extra million bucks for one year. So you could do something with, with him and, and with his contract. I don't think they pick up his fifth year, but the fact remains there is absolutely, you know, once you're mathematically, uh, eliminated from the playoffs. There is no excuse to play Aaron Rodgers the rest of the season, you know, and, and going in, in the most extreme uh, direction possible. And uh, in the favor of Rodgers, you say, if these games are meaningless, why are we risking his health? You know, when, when uh, you know, we're putting him out there and he could break his collarbone again or something like that and cost us, you know, the, the 2023 season with him. I don't think he's coming back next year because I think he's ready to hang it up and retire. That's that's my personal belief. We'll have to see. Aaron likes to prove me wrong, so we'll see what he does there. Um, but but I, I think that you have to get every ounce of information possible about Jordan Love before this draft season because you are – unless something drastic changes, you are for the first time in, in decades – going to be drafting in a position where you could take a swing you could you could trade up um you know to to draft any of the quarterbacks in this draft class that you want and when you got a guy in this draft class like Bryce Young who a lot of uh draft experts really view as one of those you know bona fide can't miss prospects I, and I don't have my official uh position yet um yeah, publicly about, about about what I think about Bryce Young but the point being you are never in this position as the Green Bay Packers where you have the option of drafting one of the top quarterbacks. You have to know 
what you think you have in Jordan Love. Because if you're still not sure and you actually think Bryce Young is the guy, you have to go get him if you're in position to take him because quarterback is that important. Um, so I, you know, looking at it and, and, you know, I hear you saying that, you know, you, you're not a big fan of, of the, uh, you know, the first round picks and you would rather uh, trade out of it. Let me just say, if you had the number one overall pick, all right, and you're saying that what you really like is like fourth round picks, you get 25 first, uh, fourth round picks for the value <laughs> of that number one. So I'm just saying, look, you know, if, if nothing else, you know, from, from here on out, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, once you're mathematically eliminated, um, the, the, the trade value, if nothing else of an earlier and earlier pick is just, it's, it's so insane. So if you look yeah. at the, at the rich Hill trade chart, the number one overall pick is worth a thousand points. The number three overall pick is worth 514 points. So double just by moving two spots back. So when you're talking about, you know, if we're at the very end of the season, I think the last game we play of the season is the lions. You know, if, and if you're looking at that and you're saying, you know, this is a, a winnable game. I'm just telling you, if I am Brian Gutekunst, not if I'm Matt LaFleur, but if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I am telling Matt LaFleur, hey, <laughs> man, I'm sorry, but I just feel um, I have to bench um, our entire starting offensive line <laughs> and Kenny Clark and Jay. I'm benching everybody. You're going to be playing Darnell Savage at quarterback um, because, man, you know, if we're in a position where it's like we're either picking first or sixth, depending on whether we win or lose this game, I'm sorry, if you are Brian Gutekunst, it is malpractice to not do everything you can to, uh, you know, triple or quadruple the value of that pick. And by the way, you know, I just showed the difference between the number one and the number three. It drops off so quickly after that. You only have to get down to the number nine pick before you're looking at the first round pick being three times as valuable. So it is crazy just in, in how valuable it is. And listen, if the first pick in the first round is worth a thousand points, the uh, number 31 pick, which is the final pick this year since uh, Miami forfeits uh, their pick, it's only worth 190 points, which is less than a fifth of the value of the first round of the, of the number one overall. So um, I, I hear what you're saying that you're not you know crazy about the value of the first round picks. But let me tell you, no, no matter how you want to approach it, whether it's you want to go ahead and draft that guy you think is that good or you want to trade back the higher up you get. It's it's insane how much more value you get by being just even a couple uh, picks earlier if you're trying to trade back and acquire more picks to restock all these different parts of the roster. So I just want to throw that out there and, and say that uh, you, know, you have to figure out what the heck you have in Jordan Love. Hmm. And then the second you're mathematically eliminated, not if you're Matt LaFleur, not if you're any of the players, but if you are Brian Gutekind specifically, it is in your best interest to make sure that you lose every single game you can the second you're no longer in playoff contention. Right. I, I want Matt LaFleur still trying to win every game possible. I, I don't want him tanking, but I want Brian Gutekunst to be uh, you know, absolutely thinking that way. Yeah, he's going to get get rid of the hot. It's going to be like Brian Gutekunst is going to swoop, uh, swoop in like uh, like the owner for the Cleveland Indians on Major League, right, and just start taking things <laughs> away like no hot water. They got the <laughs> was it they got the trolley motor in the uh, or the bass boat motor in the in the whirlpool trying to create some ball, all that good stuff. Classic. Um, man, what a fascinating, yeah, great movie. This has been a great conversation, JJ, man. I really appreciate your time. And, um, yeah, it, you know, moving forward, it's going to be interesting. That, and the reason we wanted to do this pod today is because, you know, we're doing chalk talk. We're outlining what went right, what went wrong. We're, you know, there's a lot of division in, you know, Packer Twitter, especially, which there's always division on Twitter. It is what it is. And should Aaron Rodgers sit? Should Aaron Rodgers start? Blah, blah, blah. 
why not talk about something exciting and that's the future? Let's just take a look ahead yep. and say, all right, what's 2023 look like? And we'll do this again next Saturday. Uh, we'll come up with a topic. It'll be something good. It might not necessarily be around the salary cap or roster building, but we'll come up with a great topic. It might be free agency like we discussed. Um, but again, when you're digging into this stuff, looking in the future, it gives you things to watch for on Sunday. Again, what I'm looking for is Devontae Wyatt. I'm looking to see how he plays in Igbare, looking to see how he plays, um, looking to see how McDuffie does. And then, of course, what's going to happen in that slot position with Stokes out? Do you put Rasul on the boundary and do you play Savage in the, in the uh, slot and give Rudy Ford a shot there? And maybe that answers yeah. some question for safety moving forward. So. With that being said, we're going to get out of here, man. We'll probably split this pod up into two. So when you're hearing this, expect the second one to drop. If it's not on the same day, we'll get it out in a couple of days to you guys. And we'll be back tomorrow for the post-game show immediately following the uh, the Packers-Cowboys game. We'll open it up to another roundtable for other guys in the uh, Packer Net, uh, Network here. So if anybody wants to jump on and join us for that post-game show, JJ, you're welcome. Anybody who's welcome, we'll, uh, we'll get you on and we'll talk about how the game unfolds. So we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for uh, taking the time to hang out with us here on YouTube and Twitter. Thanks for uh, contributing in the chat for sure. And also thanks to everyone who's listening to this on pod. It should drop around. At least the first half will drop around noon central time here on Saturday. So everybody have a great day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.